It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, the number one name in pet food and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Oh, Coach Man, we have a good one for you today. How are you doing? I'm Dan Tudor, and welcome to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. This is your source for everything that is interesting, good, innovative in recruiting. The most difficult part, most challenging part of your job as a college coach is recruiting. And we try to give you resources here on the podcast and on our website at dantutor.com to let you perform better and approach it more creatively. And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be diving into emails, but we're going to do it in a slightly different way than just me telling you or reading something about uh, how to email a prospect properly and what they want and then what some of the expected outcomes should be. So let me just run this through uh, to, to bring you back to the beginning of how, how we're going to work uh, this particular episode of the podcast. I had a call come in from a client and uh, we had he had a question. We started talking about emails and, and as I mentioned, he's a client. And so we changed the way that they were emailing. We changed sort of the methodology and the frequency and what they were saying in their emails. And he then had a problem. The problem was a good one, but it was still a problem. And that problem was, Dan, we're getting now so many responses and we're getting so many uh, questions related back to the email that we sent. How do we handle that? Because we don't have a staff of seven or eight or nine people in their particular program. It was it was mainly him and maybe another coach. So we're, we're really talking about a... Uh, a, an organizational issue with them. And so as he started getting into it, I said, you know what, this is going to be, this would be a great podcast. <laughs> so I said, coach, hang on a second. Can we, can we talk about this, but can I record you and, and let's walk through everything. And would you be willing to share kind of what's going on on your end with this problem that you're having because it's something that a lot of coaches struggle with. How do we handle the volume of emails or just the work behind the scenes in in answering and how do we figure out which ones to answer or which ones not to answer? It's a struggle for a lot of coaches. And I said, would you be willing to share that story and how you're, you're handling it and, and my advice to you? And he was kind enough uh, to say, absolutely. Yeah, let's, let's do this. And so the podcast today is actually a live phone conversation that happened. wasn't rehearsed. I didn't know what questions he was going to ask. Uh, we kind of just had him restate what the question was, and then we went from there. And we're not going to talk about which college he's at, what sport he coaches, and everything else, but I think you'll be able to relate to a lot of what he is going through because it's something that a lot of coaches go through. And let me pull back as an aside real quick. You know, as we get started into our second season of the College Recruiting Weekly podcast, if you want to be that coach to to run questions by us um, or by me, I would love that. Uh, just email me, dan at dantutor.com. And if it's a topic that we think we can make something out of, we would absolutely love to do that. That's what this podcast is really meant for, is all of you and your fellow coaches sharing with one another what's going on, and we try to... Uh, direct you in the right way to get better results or just to save time. So 
that's really what we want to do more of. Uh, there's a great, in uh, season one of our podcast episodes, uh, there's a great uh, three for three. We invited three coaches on and they asked three questions each and we talked about that. So we'll probably do those again as well. But, and again, if you are interested in being that coach that asks some questions and uh, and and then gets answers and wouldn't mind doing that uh, and being recorded uh, and anonymously, but still being recorded and talking uh, on um, on audio, that would be fantastic. I would love that. So getting back to this, again, the situation is the coach called. We said, hey, hang on, let's record this and let's just go through sort of live what the issue is and then what our advice would be to correct it. So we have the the episode starting with him asking the question again about exactly what was going on and what he wanted help with. That's how we're going to start. Okay, uh, Dan, my uh, question is we've been impl- uh, implementing a email uh, protocol, basically a marketing campaign to reach out to some of our uh, younger uh, recruits and we sent out a couple of emails uh, very guided very direct to what it is that we mm-hmm. want to get accomplished and we immediately got the feedback within I don't know five to 15 minutes of the kids actually getting the wow. emails and we really weren't necessarily prepared to answer their replies okay and so my my question is what would you suggest um, you know we were talking about academics and right. about our school mm-hmm. and they fired back about what it is that they want to study and what it is that they want to get accomplished when they're choosing their school based on academics it seemed like a good opportunity to sell our school at that moment sure. but we weren't sure if that's the right time to go ahead and do that since this is probably the first and or second email that we sent to this prospect okay so the first thing I'd want to ask, just to, for some context for my own sake and as well as any coach that's listening to this, is what kind of numbers are you talking about? So the emails went out to how many prospects? Uh, we emailed six prospects that we identified as our six top kids okay. in the class. Okay, so these are the top kids. Okay. And uh, when you say younger, uh, what, what are we looking at in terms of, uh, in, in terms of their, their incoming grade in, in school, in uh, high school? Yeah, 2019. So okay, so these juniors. are okay the juniors. So the, the kids that are they're on their way to being uh, to being juniors. Um, I, I think the first thing, first of all, I mean the numbers are manageable because you have six, and they're all six the the kids that you want to be talking to. So so that's good because we've done this before, uh, and I mentioned in the introduction that that you're a client. We're not saying who you are or what sport you coach, but. Uh, we've had coaches that will do that for for 400 kids, and they get you know 280 responses in the first day, and that's so it's a problem. And and I want to talk about that because there's a way I think to manage it. So I think the the first point that I would make is that when you send out that email, when you're reaching out to them and you get them to respond, understand that that's especially with a kid at the beginning stages of recruiting that's the goal that is something that you are that's the complete focus is just to get them to respond think of how many times you've reached out to a kid and may have been a great fit and they could have done great things for your team and and you know the location could have been great all all the aspects of the school is great and yet it, nothing happens until they respond so 
the first thing that I would, uh, the point that I would make is that this is the goal of, uh, of, of beginning the recruiting process is exactly what happened is to get that ping back, that little radar blip back to, and they're saying, Hey coach, I'm here. And yeah, so here's some response to that. So, so well done on, on that side. What, I guess when, when they started talking to you and it sounds like that's different than sort of the experience you've had uh, in the past, you, you mentioned something kind of in that question that, that was interesting. You said, we feel like now's our opportunity to sell the school because we're, you know, they're responding back on, on uh, what they want academically. So how would you typically, without, again, giving away the school that you're at or, uh, or anything about, you know, the, the, the sport or that you, that you coach, um, how typically do you feel like that's been done in the past in your program? Um, well, to answer that question, Dan, I think we have to make sure that we go back to the first call that we make prior to emailing um, okay. is to identify what it is that they are looking for, what their timeline is, because if they're looking to you know, basically make a decision in six months, it might be worth at that point evaluating whether or not we have the right major. Um, right. If it's somebody that doesn't know what they want to study, um, but they know that they want a smaller classroom size or they want to be at a university um, that fits our size, at that point we'll probably, um, in the past, we would just fire back, yeah, you know, we have this many students in each class. We have a 24 to 1 ratio. Right. We have that major. It's a, it's a great major for you. Um, our, you know, we have five kids on our current roster that have the same major. Um, you know, we have our professors are really engaged and you basically in the past, it felt like we almost tried to take advantage of what window we had and tried to squeeze an elephant through that window. And that's a great description. Yeah. So we, uh, now I I think our, our next plan of action following the, the very structured and organized recruiting plan that we have now and put in place is to follow up with a letter. Right. Um, fi- find a different way to communicate it and a different way of asking similar questions and not really slam them with uh, what seems to be propaganda and, <laughs> you know, here's a brochure, look at us, look at us. Right, Instead, right. have a very direct approach because the kid told us what it is they're looking for and we identify that as a priority for them and almost check off the priority of, you know, if they don't talk about classroom size, doesn't mean it's not important. It just means that it's not their top priority because at least the kid would tell you, we feel like in this first email, the way we've worded it, that they're very direct. It's not, we're asking questions. I mean, as you can tell, I'm talking a lot. So right, and right, in the past, right. we would probably, we would probably overdo it with communication um, instead of really just trying to get information and allowing the information and allowing the uh, the prospect to form their own opinion. Right. Okay. So two things from what you said there, coach, the, the first one being, uh, that you mentioned sort of cramming that elephant through the little window that you have, because you know, I, I can't tell you the number of coaches that over the years have told me, Hey, you know, we, if we hear back from a kid, this is our opportunity. We've got to, we've got to you know, jump at them and tell them everything that's great about us because, you know, they might not be paying attention for very long. And ironically, that's what gets them to not pay attention. That's what almost shuts them down. So the one recommendation that I would that I would give in with your response, and this goes out to any coach that's listening to this too, is don't answer necessarily with a fact, 
answer with another question. So for instance, if they say, hey coach, that sounds great. You know, I'm a business major or I want to major in business. Do you have that there? Um, you know, I, instead of saying, yes, we do. And we have, you know, five different you know, minors you can get with that. And, you know, to start going through the facts, what I would do is say, yeah, we do. But before I tell you about that, tell me why you're interested in business. Because again, the, the goal here is to get them to continue to talk to you. It's to get them to open up because at the beginning of the process, your goal is to get them comfortable with just the idea of communicating back and forth with you. So it's not so much we have a chance to sell our school and now we have to take advantage of it. Really what you're doing is you're taking this time, this really unique time in the communication process where they're trying to feel out, is this a coach? Is this a staff that I want to communicate with or that I feel like I could communicate with? You're taking this opportunity and instead of selling the school, you're actually selling them on the idea that, yeah, this is the coach that's going to listen to me and is not just going to beat me over the head with why I should come there and why they're the best and do I want to visit campus. So so again, I would I would ask them follow-up questions. Most of the first conversations that we recommend to coaches, especially clients, like in your case, is to to keep asking questions, not necessarily to sell the school right away, but to ask questions so that you get a better understanding of of what they're all about. And so that 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 would be the uh, uh, the first thing that uh, that that I would say. So just in in sort of that theory, um, to the extent that you've done that in the past, has that been better than the times where you've just sort of beaten them over the head or, or piled on a bunch of information? Uh, absolutely. We've, I mean, from what we can tell when we stopped um, talking, we, we have flaws. We stopped talking about winning. We start winning and in the recruiting process, there's the exact same thing. When we stopped talking about trying to, we have to get this kid and this is how we've got to get this kid and started talking about the process in which it takes to get the prospect or the recruit uh, we've started seeing a lot more success. And by that, I mean, we start asking more questions. Right. You know, we're competing with typically four or five schools. And, you know, sometimes they're bigger than us. Sometimes they're smaller. But at the end of the day, if we're the ones asking questions, we're the ones that are taking a real interest in them rather than telling them what they need to do. Right. Um, rather than telling them why our program is so much better, why our, you know, our engineering department is you know, one of the best in the country, like maybe they don't want engineering, maybe they want something else, but engineering just sounds cool at the time. <laughs> right. So, by or, actually, or it's just something that the school is known for, but you're, you hit it on the head that a lot of kids, if they're not in this case, and for example, an engineering major, they don't really care. And it's certainly not going to be a reason that they're going to choose the school. And again, going back to what I was saying earlier, unless you ask them why business, um, or why engineering, or just anything specific to their the choice that they just gave you, uh, it it really is uh, it really is difficult and and challenging to get them to continue to uh, to open up. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that the more questions that we ask, the more information we get, and the more strategic our approach is to that specific recruit. And if you know, we take it and apply it to our sport. If I know exactly what type of player and what that player's tendencies are, it doesn't really matter what their offenses and defenses are because I can easily 
adjust our game plan to stop that player's tendencies and take right. them completely out. So right. you kind of flip the plan and know exactly what a player's tendencies are or a recruit's tendencies right. are and what they really want and what the actual core of the conversation is. It really gives us a huge advantage in the recruiting process because right. we're at least patient. And I think that's one thing that we've done in the last probably three, four months now um, in our, in the new system, working with your program is we've been more patient and we've trusted our processes more and it's allowed us to be able to put timelines on kids that we would never put timelines on in the past. Mm. And a big part of that is because we didn't feel comfortable enough that we were the right fit. But since we asked the questions and we asked the right questions and we're very strategic in our approach to the recruit, we were able to put a timeline on it and it, absolutely made sense for the recruit and made sense for their families and it made sense for our program. So it worked out in our, in our favor. You know, the other thing that I'll just point out too, uh, in the way that you're sort of the way that you're unfolding this is, so you send out an email that, and the, the, the prospect answers with a lot of detail and they're giving you their insights. I'm just going to ask you this as a coach and you and I haven't talked about any of this beforehand. So it's, I'm just curious about your, your perception because you've been doing this a while isn't it more pleasant to answer and have a conversation with a kid like that versus just having to always sort of beat down their door and beg for a beg for a conversation it's just so much easier it seems uh when they're actually giving you their thoughts i mean do you know what i'm saying do you agree absolutely i I would say the biggest change is i'm a big uh, believer in, you know, the website, you know, www, pick up the phone and call me.com. Like I'm not, I'm not real big on, you know, I have to jot that one down sometime. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm not, I'm not big in picking up the, you know, or texting and emailing. And what I found is that kids don't know how to communicate, um, effectively with adults right. and to have a phone conversation and asking a kid a question, they have a hard time. They, they really think, say, um, I'm not sure and the conversation dies and so you could ask a question and it's you know a closed-ended question it's not open-ended basically it's a yes and then there's nothing else but in an email i'm able to ask a very specific question or a very broad question it doesn't matter they feel a little bit safer responding with a very detailed response right because i'm not i'm not judging them by tone i'm not judging them by the length of time it takes them to respond it's just you know, they can think about it. They can take time to analyze it. And frankly, they may have mom and dad review it. Right. Um, but, right. Uh, I mean, what you're, what you're pointing out is such a, I think, a key shift in this generation's communication patterns. If you think about it, you know, the, the kids that you're recruiting now have pretty much grown up with text messaging and, and social media messaging. And if you think about how that works, what happens is that they get to start typing something and then if they don't like it, oh, I can go back and edit it. Okay, fix it. Okay, now I'll read it. Okay, now I'm ready to send it. And if they get a response back from somebody, from one of their friends, what do they do? Will they read it? They might laugh about it, think, talk, and then answer it. And when a coach sort of takes that old style at the, you know, the, at the start of the recruiting process and calls the prospect and wants to have that 45-minute phone conversation, most kids, especially good, solid athletes, um, will, will politely you know, talk to you on the phone because they don't want to be rude and they know that this is what they've been working for, this conversation with a college coach, but it usually isn't in-depth and they don't really know what to say and it's usually just 
painful for a coach to, to have to be a part of that. But your observation is, is, I think, really spot on that if you give them time to, to react and to think and be able to respond in their own time, uh, it just it goes so much better. And they'll talk to you forever. They'll just keep on talking because that's what they're used to in a text conversation is they just sort of keep replying if the other person replies. And whereas in a phone conversation, there's a definite beginning, middle, and an end. Uh, and so you get these longer, uh, more in-depth conversations if you do it the way that, that you sort of discovered uh, this generation likes it being done. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was just email in general. So we're, we're, this whole conversation started about these email replies and what's the best way to uh, to reply. But I know a lot of coaches feel like email just doesn't work anymore. These kids aren't on email. They're, you know, they are all texting. They're on social media. So I'm not going to send out any more emails. What I discover, and I just want your thoughts on it, is that if you say the right things in the emails, they will respond. But I think the problem is that coaches aren't sure or they're not, I think, good at, in many cases, communicating the way that these athletes of this generation want to be communicated with. But I think it's striking that you're saying you've got responses in five or 10 or 15 minutes because that's not the norm. And I think a lot of those same coaches would say, that's why I'm not, I can't email because these kids don't reply. So I just love sort of philosophically your approach to email and, and what you've sort of observed and seen uh, over the years, but then also recently. You know, I, I think when we first started out, I think that was exactly the case. Uh, I think kids, you know, got away from their emails um, just simply because they got every email all the time. You'd, you know, go to bed, you wake up, you'd have 47 emails to go through <laughs> and you, you may get lost. And now I think it is a little bit more um, filtered. I think, you know, just with technology in general, the filters are a little bit better. So the kids aren't getting slammed with a ton of spam. They're not getting slammed with a ton of, you know, other emails. So it is going directly to them and they have it on their phone. They have it accessible to them. Right, so, right. you know, the little envelope that, you know, has a one next to it. Ooh, you know what I get an email from and they look at, they open it up, they read it, and then they can either respond right from their phone. They don't need to be at a computer anymore. They don't need to have internet access. They right. can do it right from their phone. And I think that's kind of helped it. And I think we've found a big jump in success of communication with our uh, prospects and our recruits. And it allows them to open up to us without feeling like there's, um, you know, a power in between us is not mm. like, you know, I'm an adult, they're a kid, I'm a coach, they're a player. There's no real, uh, you know, definite separation there. So they feel a little bit more comfortable um, revealing some of their, um, I don't know, priorities, some right. of their concerns. Well, just their thoughts, their, right. Yeah, it's just their thoughts in general. And we've had a lot of success with that. One thing that we've struggled with lately is, you know, these kids are getting very specific in their, their responses back and asking us questions and it's like <laughs> I, we almost want to like okay i got your email i'll i'm gonna check in on this and i'll get back to you in two to three days and right. then really try to populate it because human nature is as soon as you get a response from a, you know your top recruit you start doing backflips and jumping jacks okay what do we do now right. and it's like oh no you know <laughs> um you don't want to you don't want to send something back that's going to be detrimental and you know all of a sudden halt the conversation so to your point you made earlier in the broadcast that um we would you know answer with a question i think answers that for us and it just right. allows us to continue fact finding 
and getting the information necessary in order to make a, a, a very good one evaluation of a kid's character. Right. Um, not just their skill set. I mean, we emailed them because of their skill set. We need to get to know what kind of character they're going to be simply so we can, you know, see if they'd be a good fit to continue recruiting. Right. And, you know, one thing that you just mentioned there was just getting them to sort of, you know, in your case or in that example, reveal their character. The best way to do that is to not ask sort of yes, no questions, because what I've said for a long time is, and you and I have even maybe talked about this in, in the past couple of months is, these kids, this generation knows what the right and wrong answers to questions from coaches are. So for instance, the one of the examples I always use is, you know, when a coach asks a kid, so what kind of college are you looking for? Um, well, let's see, I want a good education. I want a chance to play. I want to make friends. It's just sort of all the normal sort of vanilla answers. And I think what, as I've, as I've listened to kids and we do all these focus groups all over the country, I hear kids almost repeating back, like it's almost a test, like you as a coach are calling them and they have to pass the test. Well, how do I pass the test? I have to know the right answers. And there's websites and companies that will um, that will tell you, hey, here's the right things to say to a college admissions counselor. Here's the right things to say to a coach or here's the questions you should ask a coach. And you know, I don't blame them for relying on those because they're coming in with a zero knowledge about the topic. But I think what it what it places on you or other coaches that are in the process of doing this is you have to get them out of that because otherwise you'll come away with with what I would call fake answers. We're you know big this you know this time of uh, our lives it's all about fake news and what is real news and what is fake news. Well, I think there's real answers and fake answers and you know so if a coach asks a kid at the end of the conversation so is this a place you think you'd like to take a look at yes coach i think it would be or you know are we in your top 5 yes uh, we're you're in our top 5 that I, you know just looking at my daughter's own situation and uh, she ran track uh, in in college for uh, for for several years and she um, when she would get questionnaires you know i i almost behind sort of in the background was laughing when I would read these questionnaires and they would say, you know, name your top five schools that you want to attend. Well, she wasn't dumb. She knew to put that the school that was asking her, guess what? They were always in the top five. And I could always imagine that the coach on the other end was saying, hey, okay, we got another kid. We're in their top five. But are you really in their top five? You know, maybe not. But I think the way that you're talking about doing it is, is you know, continuing to ask those open-ended questions and just let them talk. That's where you get the really good information. Um, you know, we do focus group studies the hard way, which is we kind of ask a question, an open-ended question, and then let these athletes, uh, either in a workshop setting that we're doing or, or with a client, answer sort of in long form. They just We just let them type. And it'd be much simpler to give them bubbles to choose from, but it's when they just sort of talk that you really get to find out the good stuff. And in the same way, when you just let them, when you keep asking questions and they keep answering, that is gold, that stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And it really, I think, affects the way that you, that then you carry out the rest of uh, the rest of the recruiting, uh, the, the recruiting cycle. Um, I, I think, you know, I, we started talking about all these other topics. I'm going to get back to the original question about, you know, responding to, these emails, um, did I answer the question? Are there follow-up questions from that that I can help with? 
You know, the only other question I would have, Dan, is what is a good timeline? Because you don't want to, I mean, you always talk about the immediate response. Right. You don't want to come across looking desperate. Yeah, I'm just sitting at my computer. I'm just waiting for you to respond. Um, you know, what is, uh, is there any recommendation in a timeline and time frame that we should wait to respond, especially if we do have an organized and structured plan to, you know, send an email week one, we're going to follow up with a letter in week two, like those right. kind of things. Like, is there is there any conflict to continually communicating through email while these other things are going on in the background? That would be our number one concern right. question. Okay, so two two things I want to talk about is, is in answering that. Um, first of all, a lot of kids, again, I'm going to take it back to what does this resemble, especially now that they're answering emails on their phone, it resembles texting. So if I'm texting somebody, and especially, again, put yourself in, in a typical 17, 18-year-old athlete's mind, if I'm texting a friend, they're texting a friend, um, do they want an immediate response or do they want to wait a day? Well, they want an immediate response because that's sort of how we are operating with our phones is I'm engaged in this conversation and I'm ignoring everything else and are you going to answer? So I would say that you shouldn't worry about looking desperate I'm actually going to go the other way, that if you don't respond immediately, or I'm going to say immediately, within you know a couple of minutes, or even if it was within the hour, um, the sooner the better, because it starts to, then to resemble uh, a text message. So if they're answering on the phone and they're chatting back and forth with somebody via text messaging, is email really any different? No, because you're still going back and forth. I'm still on my phone. I'm typing. They're responding. So you almost have to treat it especially if you know from the response of it lists like, you know, sent from my iPhone um, or sent from my, you know, my Galaxy or Android or whatever the, the, the uh, device they're using, you know that they're on their phone. And I think it needs to emulate and look and feel like a text message, which means a more immediate response. Here's the other thing that I'm going to recommend is because you sort of brought up this point, it, was some, it wasn't something I was planning on talking about, but you made the observation that that they're they're getting right back to you, and, and a lot of it's coming from their phone, and so we're making the case that it should be treated like email. I'm sorry, with like text messages. Well, your email almost needs to look and feel like a text message, which means probably no graphics, uh, nothing colorful that sort of sets it apart that makes it look like something not a text message. Um, this generation of athlete has been, in some ways, you know, I, you know, just spoiled or even harmed by the fact that everything they're seeing is in that very clean aerial font, um, a certain size, and it goes just you know back and forth, uh, and they don't see anything different. So if all of a sudden you're sending emails and it's in a Times roman font and it's got a, a graphic header and a footer and all these links they can click on it doesn't really look and feel like a text message and the thing that i want to emphasize to you coach and and also to anybody else who's uh who's listening is make it look and feel as much like a text message as possible because again the goal is to get them to respond and they'll respond better if it makes if it gives off that look and feel does that make sense absolutely yeah so, I mean, that would be, you know, sort of my, uh, my answer to, uh, to that. So uh, let me wrap up the conversation with sort of this question is now, 
with you know so you want to have this conversation what do you feel like is the natural way then to sort of build on this like what would be your natural way to say here's the next step after this these ongoing email conversations what would be sort of the next step that you would want to see happen or that you would feel like is the natural progression in the type of communication that you have with that prospect um i would say my what i would naturally like to see happen is i'd like to again and start continue asking questions and engaging but getting a little bit more specific about their academic requirements or needs because if they're very specific at this point and they're you know they're going to be juniors in high school if they know exactly what it is that they want it probably means to me that they're probably ready to visit and see what this school is about because you know if we're one school they want a very historic college or they want a very modern college and you know you're one or the other and you're not it um, I'd like to know that in this process right. early because I don't want these are our top prospects I don't want to be spending a ton of time with a kid that I know isn't going to want to come here because we just aren't the type of school they are. Right. So that would be the natural progression for, for us is so they can actually um, get to see what our academic environment is like. Okay. And, and I think, you know, the other thing too, that I'll point out, cause hey, you brought up so many good things, coach, that I wasn't planning on talking about. So um, <laughs> this is, this is awesome. I think especially because you've outlined these as these are your top six or these are your top group of prospects. And I just want to make sure that coaches know and that you know there's a time to give up on a kid. There's a time to keep going. So, for instance, if you know they want, I'll say, engineering because you brought that up as an example, but they're looking at other engineering schools that you know are rated more highly than than your school that doesn't mean that you're not going to get them or let's say that they're from you know you're you're a school that's in the uh, in the midwest and they're on the west coast and they're looking at three other west coast schools well that doesn't mean that you can't get that athlete it just means that you're going to have to again go back to asking questions by email or by text or if you do get them on the phone then you know you take that opportunity to ask them and get them to explain to you why why again why engineering why have you looked into our engineering school at all uh if you're on the west coast you're looking at coming to the midwest why is that because within those answers i think you get the idea of of whether or not they're serious about you so for instance if the kid that answers to that question hey you're on the west coast why are you looking to come to the midwest uh, you know, if their answer is, well, you know, I'm just sort of looking at, at all my options and you know, I've never been to the Midwest, but um, your, your school looks interesting where it is that, that that sort of looks interesting. And I don't know, I'm just sort of looking around. All right. Well, I would read that and say, we got a ways to go with, with him or with her. And, and, you know, so I know that even though they're one of our top prospects, we have our work cut out for us. If, on the other hand, you ask that same question and the prospect says, oh, coach, I mean, I uh, my grandparents live 30 minutes away. Um, I vacation there like six summers. I love it there. Here's what I love about it. I really want to get out of the West because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the thing I love about it there is that, uh, okay, now I have a totally different perspective of why he or she may want to come to that school, why they might be interested. And I would, you know, again, I would treat them you know completely differently they're way farther ahead in the process so even a little change like that i think can determine what you end up talking about in those conversations and you know how much selling you have to do because i would say for that kid they're pretty much sold so if you continue to sell them i don't know that that um 
uh, yeah, that, that it does any good. And in fact, it could start boring them because they're already sold. And now they want to get straight to the aspect of your sports and your practices and how do I fit in on the team. So that would just be one thing that I'd, uh, that I'd, I'd throw in there. Okay. So any, any final question or any, just I guess maybe an observation about email and, and general and, and sort of the problem that you called with, a good problem to have, um, you know, any, any follow-up questions? Um, you know, the only other thing I would say is if we decide to start looking into um, recruiting those B-list kids, mm-hmm. you know, are we going to follow the same protocol that we would follow our A-list kids? I mean, is that the exact yeah. same? Yeah, gosh, creating, that's another good question. <laughs> uh, all right, so here's how I'd answer that. This now, now we're starting to get into sort of recruiting philosophy, and uh, so I can't be the one to say here's the right thing and the wrong thing to do. The, the thing that I would ask is, well, first of all, you should send out the same messaging, and it will get the same response. So you have to be prepared for that. But if you, so if the thought of that is like, oh my gosh, I, I heard from you know these six. If I send it out to now the next thirty or fifty or one hundred and fifty. Do I want that many kids responding? Um, my question to you is, or a lot of times I'll hear a coach, and especially if, if they're clients, that'll say, hey, we need to, can we back off a little bit because these kids are talking to me too much. I just don't have time. My question back to them is, well, then wait, why are we recruiting them? So if, if the B-list kids are kids that you don't want to hear from, are you recruiting them just because, well, I need X number on the list? Um, that might be a serious question to ask, or you know, because my philosophy is, and I think you know, whether a coach works with us or not, with us or not, is irrelevant. I think they need to take the philosophy into the conversation, which is, look, if we have a kid in our list, I want them to want to be here. I want them completely sold, whether they're an A, a B, or a C. I, if they're on my list and I'm communicating with them, I want them as a coach to be completely sold and praying every night that they get a chance to play for us because then as you as the coach what you get to then do is at some point in the process you get to figuratively stick your head out of your office door and say okay I want you 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 and you okay you're in the other 25 of you or 30 of you it's been great we made our decision and I want to let you know now so that you can go find someplace else to play but we made our decision and what happens too often is that coaches won't want to sell their bees because, well, you know, we're not going to, I don't know if they're going to be really, um, uh, you know, they're going to be a, a serious prospect for us, or I just don't, yeah, if the first four didn't work out, then we might take him or her. Um, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to not recruit a lot of kids because I think, you know, my, I work for coaches, and so I want to protect, uh, you know, your roster and your career. But I think with that comes or should come an understanding that your job is to sell everybody on the idea of wanting to come to play for your program at your school. And that requires, I think, you know, similar language that you're using with those those A kids that got them to respond. I would use the same language with, with the B kids. Okay. Makes perfect sense. And, and the same thing, I'll extend that. You could use the same messaging and the same tone with... Uh, well, you're using this with um, uh, with juniors, but you know, I, I don't think in most sports the difference between a senior class, junior class, and in some sports a sophomore class 
it's all the same because these kids aren't following, you know, the nice traditional laid out plan that the NCAA came up with, you know, 20, 25 years ago. They're committing as sophomores. They're committing midway through their junior year. They're, it's verbal commitments all the time. So you can't really wait for sort of the traditional, well, we'll all, I'll start communicating with them after their junior year and we'll get them to campus in the fall of their senior year. And it just doesn't work like that anymore. So um, I think the language stays the same for every kid because you just don't know when, what their timeline is. Of course, unless you ask them, but it sounds like you're asking questions. So that, that would be another question that I would ask is, is what is your timeline for making this decision or making a commitment? Uh, because if, again, if you leave it open-ended, you're going to find that some kids are, uh, are I, I'm going to make this decision in the next 14 months. And I've had other times where it's, you know, coach, great question. I think I'm going to probably wrap this up in the next three or four weeks. Well, you've, it's a different recruiting situation, four weeks versus 14 months. Uh, but at least, you know, and I just don't want you to be surprised. Yeah. Well, that's one of the first questions we get into in our first phone call. Um, breakdown and that was uh, actually one of the things you suggested was ask them to you know walk us through their timeline and a lot of times they don't have one so then we set we're able to open and set that timeline for them which is nice all right coach so the next time that you have an email struggle i sure hope you remember what you learned on this podcast because it will work uh, we've been doing this a long time. We don't guess anymore. There is no guesswork. The advice, the instruction that we give our clients, as well as that we, we talk about here on this podcast, it works. And so I want you to use it. I want you to try it and see if you find the same results that other coaches find. And if you have individual questions about your specific circumstance that maybe didn't apply directly in this podcast, feel free to email me. I would love to help and just, and just talk with you and see if I can give you some good direction. That's what we're here for. You can email me, dan at dantutor.com. Speaking of the website, a lot of good free resources there as well, especially our blog, 13 plus years of information and resources, close to a thousand research articles and, and advice articles that uh, are ready to use and ready to utilize. So go there and look in the blog section at dantutor.com. And of course, if, if you're interested in having us help you as a client, you can contact me and we can talk about that as well. Our team here would love to, uh, to, to add you to the stable of clients if it's the right fit for you. That's going to do it for today. We really appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google if you're listening to this for the first time. And please pass it along and share it with other coaches in your department or on your staff so that we can grow this community. That'll do it for this episode. We want to thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. that fly to thee we sing with our glasses raised on high let's drink a toast as each of us recalls ivy covered professors 
in ivy-covered halls. Turn on the spigot, pour the beer and swig it, and Gaudiamus get a tour. Here's two parties we tossed, to the games that we lost, we shall claim that we won them someday. To the girls, young and sweet, to the spacious back seat of our roommates beat up Chevrolet. To the beer and Benzedrine, to the way that the Dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Oh, soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ooh. But as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee, thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth, six parts gin to one part vermouth. <laughs>